Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Hey, I'm sure you've all heard that dreadful sentence, it's only football, maybe after your team lost a, a big match or something. For once, though, that sentence might be true right now. And, and there are more important things than attending football matches as usually would. The new strain of coronavirus has started to have a major impact on football in France and elsewhere. So we'll bring you all the latest on that in today's show, even though it's a very rapidly changing situation and, and the information might be outdated by the time uh, you hear it in the next day or two. We hope you're all taking good care of yourselves and, and doing your part to slow the spread. Thankfully, we do have some actual football to talk about. Uh, a lot of it, actually. The PSG Dortmund match is happening behind closed doors, but happening nonetheless. That's on Wednesday, and we'll, we'll preview that in this show. It was a big weekend in Ligue 1 as well, with Lille inflicting another hit to Lyon's European chances. Rennes putting five past Montpellier. Pipa Benedetto showing off Marseille's new swimwear collection as they draw with Amiens. And uh, we have a special guest from Angers later on. Elsewhere, there's also some silverware for the women's national team. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. I have a panel here today. Welcome back, Muhammad Ali. Hello. I hope your travels have kept you safe from exposure. Um, fortunately, they were in countries um, with little to no coronavirus, so fingers crossed. Oh, that's quite lucky, yeah. Hold, hold still. Well, it was my third, my third, um, my third holiday plan. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first two were were curtailed because of it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you you got out there. Yeah. That's that. Uh, we have Philippe Barger as well. Hey, Philippe. Hi. Good evening. You've had a little bit of luck for once because you know loyal listeners of the show will know that a lot of the games you were meant to go to this season were cancelled. This time, you actually sold the ticket before it was cancelled. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to get, <laughs> I'm not going to make any any money out of this, but that's okay, that's okay. Oh, you didn't pay um, yet? A couple of minutes, <laughs> sorry? It was, they hadn't paid it yet? No, no, they have, but uh, oh. the thing is, you usually get the money after the game, so that they can check that you didn't go with your season ticket, and that the, the person who paid attended oh, the game in your seat, and you only actually get paid 10 days after the game. And uh, I already received the email from the club telling me, well, it's been cancelled, so, you know, nothing's going to happen. And the, and the person who paid me is going to get reimbursed, which is fair enough, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I, I, did, think... I did tweet that. Uh, sorry? No, sorry, go ahead. I did tweet that. Uh, honestly, I mean, you don't you don't get a season ticket just to attend those games. You do get a season ticket to, to go regularly to... Uh, to support your team, and uh, I know that a lot of people have, uh, did get a season ticket, which is quite expensive uh, to attend those games. I'm not, I mean, I'm not particularly annoyed about uh, the game being played behind behind closed doors. In well, we'll, we'll probably talk about that um, mm-hmm. later on. Well, they are. They did say they would uh, reimburse season ticket holders as well for this one. So, some consolation, I hope. Um, Right. And and finally joining us today, we have Adam White. Hey, Adam. Hey, Pierre. How's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, you might know Adam as the chief features writer for Get French Football News. He's also led a new project between GFFN and all our all the other members of the Get European Football group. Uh, and that's called The Modern Footballer. Adam, do you want to tell us about it? 
Yeah, why not? Yes, absolutely. Um, some some great contributors on the pod this evening. Mo in particular did a great piece on on Marseille and and yourself as well. Pierre was heavily involved, and Tom, who we'll hear from later on, Angers, um, did a great piece on on Baptiste Santa Maria. It's a European football magazine um, covering France, Germany, Spain, and Italy, top divisions from each each of those countries. Uh, and we take a look, sort of a detailed look at the the latest goings on across across those leagues. Uh, there are a, a selection of player profiles looking at sort of the most recent emerging talents uh, in those divisions, including Baptiste Santa Maria, um, Rich Allen, uh, friend friend of the pod. Uh, in, in years gone by, uh, did a great piece on Eduardo Camavinga of France as well. Um, there's also a selection of columns on on each club, so dedicated to the big European clubs. Moses on uh, AVB and FFP worries at Marseille. I covered PSG and Leonardo's return, uh, but also covering Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Dortmund. Uh, and there's a, there's a selection of feature articles. I uh, indulged myself a little bit with my love for Pascal Dupraz and, and talked about um, the great escape with him uh, under Toulouse, uh, at, when he was at Toulouse, sorry. Um, but there's, there's, there's a, a selection of those as well. And also a roundup of sort of the latest news, which which uh, was a, a lot of uh, French uh, representation there with, with Rennes being talked about. Uh, Rons um, and a, a lot of a lot of interesting and insightful writing from from uh, Get Football's writers. So it's a really exciting project. You can get it on on online as a hard copy or as a print version. Uh, if you check out, it's all over all of the uh, the Twitter feeds on on GFFN and, and the German and Italian Spanish version too. So uh, check it out and um, I'd I'd recommend it. It's a good read. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you cited Pascal Duprat story as well because that's one of my favorite in there as a big uh, Duprat fan myself yes uh, some people may remember <laughs> um, let's begin then today with uh, the well first of all the big news from today has basically only been about the virus so let me kind of round that up very quickly so we can uh, you know agree on what is known so far obviously some stuff is likely to change still uh, as of today, all Liga matches until April 15th are to be played behind closed doors or in front of a maximum crowd of 1,000. The measure was announced by French sports minister earlier on Monday. Uh, she said, We're in, we are in exceptional circumstances and the sporting world needs to contribute to the collective effort. So a number of Liga matches next week have already been decided, have already decided to be held uh, behind closed doors, including Montpellier Marseille and uh, Lyon Reims. As we speak, the Ligue 2 match between Lens and Orléans is also happening behind closed doors rather than with the 1,000 person limit. So those decisions are made by prefects. Prefects in France are the people who have the, the representatives of the state who have the power to make decisions on behalf of the state and on kind of regional or departmental uh, scales. The ruling also applies to France's friendlies against Ukraine and Finland at the end of the month. So Closed doors or postponement, postponement are the options, uh, though postponement is kind of complicated with the international fixtures calendar normally. The women's national team is supposed to play on Tuesday against the Netherlands in Valenciennes. That's behind closed doors as well. Uh, in Italy, where the outbreak is even worse than in France at the moment, Serie A has just been suspended for one month. Uh, there's a nationwide ban on public gatherings. So the Juventus-Lyon return match, which is scheduled for next week, is almost certainly not going to be played in Italy. Uh, we don't really know um, more about the circumstances in which that's going to be held. Uh, there was already a report that um, that said um, Juventus had informally reached out to Malta to host a mm-hmm. game. 
which was swiftly rejected. Um, By Malta, so, yeah. Unless they're planning to play it behind closed doors in another country. I um, I personally can't see the second leg happening. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, going to be in Italy or nowhere? Well, I think the, the, as, of, well, as of this afternoon, the idea was that um, the Italian sort of association, Olympic Association, said that they recommended no sport to be held in public. But obviously they, they don't have... Yeah. the jurisdiction to to cancel matches at european level but obviously this evening things have been different in that the prime minister's come out and extended a um a quarantine uh, across the whole country therefore obviously mm. that will go above um any if you know italian fa french fa or uefa uh, measure so as it stands i think the second leg is is not happening unless they decide to play it elsewhere which of course will be I mean, I suppose that's a disadvantage to, to Juventus more than Lyon. Mm-hmm. I just don't see where they would... I mean, first of all, uh, it's it's starting to get late in the day because the game is going is in eight days. So, you know, they, they should get a move on. And, and I just don't see where they would... I mean, are, are they trying to contact um, nearby places to across the border? Uh, we already know that Switzerland suspended all their comp- all, all um, their, their league, I believe, until until April. So, mm-hmm. like, but the problem is, you can't really know where the virus will have spread to between in now eight and days eight time, days. Exactly. So it's kind because of everything is very short-term decisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I was I was a bit, bit surprised because I went on holiday beginning 12 days ago, when mm. um, the United Kingdom total was at 12, Spain was at 20. And now we're at 320, I think, in the UK and about 700 in Spain. And that's just in the form of like 11, 12 days. And I think we're not there yet in terms of mm. peaking. As you mentioned, you know, all the neighbouring countries have an issue. And I doubt Juventus will be, you know, I, I can't see sort of the reputational impact of Juventus searching just for a football pitch to play on in, in neighbouring countries. I thought the best, the best scenario would have just been to have it behind closed doors. Um, but now, obviously, with that decree um, explicitly stating um, quarantine measures for the entire country, I think at April 3rd, or actually, you know, depending on, you know, however it goes, but obviously that puts paid to events just hosting it and just getting it out of the way. Um, there's just, uh, you know, a lot to a lot to go about. I think we can all speak about logistics and how it affects mm-hmm. the league and stuff for four hours and end. But, you know, there's just a lot to still to come and you know not a lot of questions have been answered and i think I know this just... is not particularly about french football uh, i mean specifically but syria being suspended mm-hmm. until april i mean it does bring i mean it wouldn't matter if we didn't have the euros at the end of the season but we do have the euros at the end of the season and this is going back to your tweet mo about uh, should we have the Euros this year, or should should we postpone the start of the year? Should we have it in 2021, so on and so forth? I mean, it's it's a complete mess, and I just can't see this getting any better for Italy at least. Mm. I, mean, I think we I should. Think in France, yeah, we should all be you know ready to accept if it does come to that that you know some of these competitions will be cancelled. Maybe yeah, there will be yeah. no Champions League winner or Liga winner this year, and that's just the way it'll have to be. I, I think I think it will that that scenario. And speaking from obviously a French perspective, that scenario will only be um, I think countenance if things go 
really, really bad. Obviously, as we've seen uh, in mm-hmm. Asia particularly, things have stabilised over the last month or so. Where I used to live, Shanghai, is you know, practically everything's back to normal more or less. And they're more worried about you know imported uh, virus cases um, than than local local cases. So I think it's it's if by April the third or whenever these deadlines have been met that things have been you know, lightening up. Of course, I think there's also a scenario where they just they will just wait till the deadline of April the third or April the fifteenth in in Ligan's case, mm. even if things get better in the next week or two, because obviously that's just an arbitrary deadline that they've set. Um, I think the most preferable scenario is. To finish the season, but to finish the season, as far as it as far as it goes, you know, if those measures are working, and they're quite draconian at the moment, you know, you've got prefecture bannings in 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 France, you've got mm. all games behind closed doors, up to one thousand people. That was announced today on um, Monday, and obviously in Italy, Switzerland, and other other countries. This is to mimic obviously what China did right at the you know end of January, um, in quarantining sixty million people, and it worked. And if it works here, here on in over the next four weeks, and there's daily decreasing cases, then we might get back to you know stadiums opening up, maybe maybe not at full capacity, and you know at the end of the day we'll only because we have an international break and international break, um, you know, I, if we, you know we could conceivably continue playing and end the season mid June, um, <laughs> assuming assuming that you know teams even double up playing twice a week. Um, after the end of May, um, but at that point, you know, the Euros will not be. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't see it happening at this point in time. Well, yeah, it's hard to see anything happen from where we are right now. For myself, say a few, a few last things. I mean, Germany did say they didn't want to uh, to play that friendly against Italy at the end of March. Um, they wanted to to actually cancel mm. the whole the, the whole yeah. thing. And if I may, if I may speak from a French perspective, um, I do I do believe. I mean, it's going to it's going to happen. All these games being played behind closed doors. Some you know, for for some places, it's not going to change this thing. I mean, obviously for Lens this evening, it changes a lot because Lens is usually a full house. But you know, places like Monaco and Lyon, it really <laughs> it really doesn't make much of a difference in terms of. Uh, atmosphere or attendance it really feels like yeah you can hear you could hear pin drop in those in those grounds mm-hmm. but I, I can't see i can't see the uh, the authorities uh seeing how this goes uh seeing if the level of uh, people who are ill uh g- continues to go up i think it was plus plus 40 today uh and especially the the the, uh, the amount of uh, the deceased which is quite different comp- where when you compare the ones in France, uh, when and you compare the ones in France to the ones, say, in the UK or Germany. I mean, there's, there is a, a, a rather big difference. So I, I mean, um, by by the beginning of April, there's going to be the Coupe de la Ligue final. It's going to be on the sixth of April. That's in uh, that's in four weeks. I just, I mean, I can just see the the the, the league, uh, the last the last League Cup final. I, I just can't see them. Uh, Playing this, playing that game at the Stade de France behind closed doors. I just, I just can't see. It. And I'm sure there'll be some kind of, uh, some kind of exception being made to the rule and saying, okay, well, it's, it, it is, it is a Coupe de la final. It's PSG versus Lyon. Uh, if you got a ticket, you can go. But again, well, I mean, that's in, it's in a month. We'll take him one at a time, I guess. There's, yeah. who knows what's going to happen between now and then. Um, really what up. is, what is sure? is that uh, PSG's match, so PSG are playing behind closed doors against Dortmund this week. 
Last Friday, uh, it had an impact on PSG already. PSG had a match in on Strasbourg in Strasbourg scheduled for Saturday afternoon. It was cancelled on Friday evening by local authorities, mm. who were expecting about a quarter of the fans attending the match to be coming from the depart department department of Oran, which is home to you know a, cl a large cluster of, of cases. So they didn't want to risk it. PSG, the squad was already in Strasbourg on Friday. Um, they asked to play the match behind closed doors. That was refused for whatever reason. So they just returned to Paris on Friday evening. Uh, how do you guys expect this will affect their preparation for Dortmund? I think it's fantastic news. Is it? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think that uh, playing it in front of the Parc des Princes uh, has uh, put... Uh, oh, that, uh, yeah. The PSG players uh, in front of more pressure than the Dortmund players, and uh, we'll probably see uh, more, sh shall we say, more communication between between the players, and uh, maybe they'll they won't be as um, uh, timid uh, when there's nobody mm -hmm. nobody around. Even though a lot of people will be watching, obviously. I mean, it's still a Champions League uh, first first knockout round tie. Uh, and that uh, there'll be uh, better commu communication and uh, and that you know I mean there's, there's a face faces back but of course there are there's a big big uh, metric that we have to consider is how are we going to start and I still have absolutely no idea how we're going to start. Mm -hmm. The well, crowd, um, uh, Philip. I, I'm actually of the opposite opinion. I think that this is really bad for PSG because if you look at their their bigger European performances in recent years, that the, the, the part mm -hmm. of the crowd isn't isn't particularly um, doesn't particularly sort of swell for, for Ligue 1 games. Even even Le Classique can be a little bit of a sort of tame affair at, at the part of France. It's brilliant at the Velodrome, but at the part of France it could be quite quite subdued. But in big Champions League games, there has been a situation where the 4-0 against Barcelona at home, the game against Liverpool last year when when Thiago Silva and, and I remember Thiago Silva and Marquinhos doing that brilliant chest bump uh, towards the end of the game. <laughs> there was a, a genuine sort of rising of 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 uh, sort of a wave of, of positivity and, and and support and genuine frosty from the part of France crowd for those games. So I I'm of the I I was for, from a PSG I'm not a PSG fan but from a PSG fan's point of view uh, from a sporting point of view obviously for, for from a from a society or medical point of view this is the right thing to do but from from a PSG fan's point of view this is a disaster because that that sort of swell of support I thought was going to carry PSG in in the home leg because that so often has happened in big Champions League games. You see a away leg where they bustle it. Um, so I, I, I can't see I can't see this being any anything less than a bit of a disaster for PSG. Well, I mean, for every uh, I see your point, but for every Liverpool and Barcelona, you've got a Real Madrid or a Manchester United, and uh, you can I think I think it levels itself out over the last couple of seasons. Um, of uh, how uh, playing at home can be a disaster or it can be uh, exhilarating. Uh, from my from my personal experience, I think that if the club, if the if the squad, if the players uh, start the game in the right manner and uh, and they put the crowd and they put the crowd basically with them, uh, so, uh, if you if you see what I'm getting at. Um, well, then, then yes, the crowd will be uh, beneficial to the players. But if the, the game doesn't start well, say if uh, Marco Weiss or uh, I, don't, I don't even know if, he, if he's playing, if ha if Haaland, that's a safe bet. If Haaland scores after after two seconds, then uh, the players will ha will will be back um, with their back against mm -hmm. it, and uh, you you can you I just can't see the crowd 
turning mm. this around. So basically, what I'm saying is that the crowd uh, can uh, can uh, can urge them on, but uh, if if the players need the crowd, the crowd won't be there to help them. Yeah, that definitely is a factor. I think the United case is maybe a little bit of an outlier that the, the at the start of that second leg, obviously PSG that's obviously contrary to my previous point that the first leg PSG were brilliant against against mm. United Al Trafford. Yeah. A very weak Manchester United team, of course, but um, in the second leg, uh, you could you could you could arguably blame Tilo Kerr looked absolutely terrified of the the, the the occasion rather than the crowd itself, uh, and, and he was sort of culpable at the, for those first two Lukaku goals at the beginning, and and Buffon too, who who definitely shouldn't be in that position being so experienced. The Real Madrid game, I I I would say it was PSG were just not as good. They were just completely outclassed by Real Madrid in that game, but. Yeah, it's a, it is. You make a good point. There, there has been, there is sort of a caveat to that, um, that, that point. But given the circumstances, Real Madrid is a typical. Real Madrid is a typical example of uh, the players being scared. I mean, scared shitless uh, in front of Real Madrid, who didn't do much. It was a simple 4-4-2, which just didn't do anything, and the crowd was just uh, expecting something to happen, and the crowd really didn't urge the players on. And so basically, it was the players were scared. So it scales your position, and there was scales your reaction as a crowd, and the crowd was saying, "Well, get on with it." And they didn't. So this is why I think having no crowd. And to, to be fair, if we do progress, I mean, this this, this brings a really serious question about uh, how the, how uh, how the Parc des is actually our home, because uh, if we if we do qualify without the fans, it means well, you know, who needs them? But but let me ask you something, Philippe. Given the circumstances and, and, you know, no fans at this match, uncertainty as well as what the next match would be in case of qualification, you know, what, according to who gets you get drawn against and so on. Does this like does the result of this match still have as much meaning as it would in normal circumstances, whatever it is, you know, whether PSG gets eliminated or goes through? It still feels a little strange, don't I mean, this is the way I see it, but I don't know if if you understand my meaning. I think, yeah, I think I, think I do, but um, I mean, it, it's still the biggest game of the season. I mean, if, if you, you you can look at it every uh, any way you want, it's still the biggest game of the season, and Tupper still needs to uh, to 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 progress in 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 Champions League to keep his job mm-hmm. because he's he's come under fire a lot. He. He, he plays a very offensive um, formation in a very defensive league, continuing loads and loads of goals, and then he switches his formation in the biggest game of the in the biggest game of the season. So I mean, of course you have to you, you can only note you will only notice on Wednesday evening that there aren't going to be uh, loads of uh, loads of people, but uh, it's still it's still the biggest game of the season, and it's still why uh, what what uh, we as a club are aiming to to win which is which mm-hmm. is uh, the champions league so it may be strange but you know it's uh, shall we say business as usual but yeah, yeah but i still don't get because psg i mean i understand that you say that it's the biggest game of the season but imagine well this is a different question i guess but if every if psg does get knocked out and everybody yeah. loses their minds or whatever gets angry you can't say that PSG have failed their season because they're still first in the league. They're still in both finals yeah, of the, the domestic matter. cups, and I mean, for me, that should count for something. But anyways, yeah, but that I mean that doesn't matter. That hasn't mattered for the past, shall we say, three or four seasons. And Tuchel knows that, and Emery knew that, and Blanc knew, knew that, and you know. 
but whoever it, takes PSG it, takes makes it not happen. In, like it's PSG's fault in a way that yeah. everyone only judges I mean, them on this one match. Yeah, I've, been, I've been saying this for years. I mean, yeah. we're, we're putting far too much emphasis on this Champions League first knockout. No, time. I agree. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, we used, I mean, we used to, we used to do very, very well with this, uh, with this first knockout. Mm, that's true. Yeah. We used to get to 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 quarterfinals without without breaking a sweat. I mean, well, maybe not breaking a sweat, but. Um, All right. Let me ask you something else then. Um, Fitness-wise, how does the cancelled match impact PSG? Because Thiago Silva is coming back from injury, and this will be his first game if he, if he does start, and you know others fit. as well. Huh? He's fit. Well, what's me out? He's match fit. Oh really? Oh. Wait, hold on. Let me double check this. I thought he missed a, a few, no? Uh, he wasn't there against Dijon. No, no, he was. Uh, he against... got injured against Bordeaux, I think, and and everybody was saying he's he's going to miss Dortmund. Yeah, that's but he I, was... I mean, that's the latest I got. Okay, because he's in RMC's predicted lineup for tomorrow. He's just, he's sort of touch and go. I thought he's he's sort of okay expected to be sort of hopefully expected to be fit for this for this game mm-hmm. and i think Tuchel said something at the weekend that he was hoping that he'd um he could be ready for the strasbourg game but obviously the strasbourg didn't 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 happen okay um, yeah that's what i thought yeah i personally um, hope he doesn't he he does not play but <laughs> yeah well uh so yeah i mean in the meantime by the way dortmund who it was rumored their match might be cancelled last week. It wasn't. Yep. They played like normal against uh, Mönchengladbach. Great game. Uh, you watched it? Tell us a little. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was uh, like a Champions League game, um, okay. except I mean I mean really I mean both both sides won because Dortmund uh, won and Dortmund won uh, didn't play very well. Um, the they were very very good in midfield. Emre Can and Witzel. Um, very very um, uh, very high quality against a good uh, good Gladbach side. I mean the the amount of uh, of uh, physical pressure uh, that went into this game was was massive. And, and the commentators were saying, well, is this a good thing before a massive Champions League game? And I'm uh, I mean I, I said I said yes, it is positive because it was like a, mm-hmm. a perfect preparation uh, for a Champions League game because it had a Champions League Champions League level. So Dortmund didn't play very well. They didn't uh, create any uh, much chances. Uh, Haaland, uh, I think, missed, uh, blazed one over. Uh, he did not score, I think. Torgan Azar, actually, who who who's not a very, I mean, to to, to my uh, my personal opinion, I don't think he's a he's as good as his brother and, and not not particularly world class. He scored a very very good goal, and uh, and the second goal was quite fortunate. But uh, see, this is this is the type of game that PSG do not have in in the um, in uh, in domestic um, in in, uh, in Ligue 1 because the opposition is not uh, ca- cannot uh, play to that uh, that mm. type of uh, uh, physical um, uh, physical pressure over 90 minutes. So it was very impressive to see to to, to watch, and uh, you just you just felt that uh, boy. I mean, I hope Idris Agüe and Paredes, if if those two are the guys starting in midfield, if we play 4-4-2, and again, it's a big if. <laughs> uh, they they really need to be on their game because uh, in front of them there's Emre Chan and Witzel who have uh, who are in great form, yeah. but you have uh, you've got Torgenazar, Julian Brandt who are not great, uh, not very creative. Is Royce going to start? I have no idea. I don't have a clue. 
and you've got uh, much women who still very very suspect, especially uh, especially on on his uh, area ability. I mean, Gladbach did score from a pen, so that that should be quite uh, encouraging for, for us. So uh, should be should be looking for those uh, for the set pieces. Again, it really depends what formation we play. Interesting. I remember Torgan's big brother causing PSG some trouble back in back in the day. Mm. <laughs> Who knows if that'll happen again? Um, okay, then. So some final bits of news on this one is that Mbappe was absent from training today, according to the club, due to a sore throat. Cavani as well for for personal reasons, uh, but they're both still expected to start, according to RMC's predicted lineup. This is again they have Cavani in ahead of Icardi. Uh, let's get some quick predictions from you guys. Adam, who do you think will make it through on this one? Um, I, I still think Dortmund. Uh, I think perhaps might end up being nil-nil or one-all, but a draw and, and Dortmund progress. All right. Philippe? I'm going to go with uh, 3-1 to PSG, solely on the fact that we're not playing in front of our fans. Um, probably a dramatic late... Uh, I don't know, Kim Pembegel from uh, long range, uh, just uh, a, la, a la Pastore versus Chelsea a couple of weeks, a couple of seasons mm. back. Something like that. I mean, I'm very hopeful. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have predicted a dime for a first if uh, if the game wasn't behind closed doors. But uh, now that it is behind closed doors, the hope is back, what we say. All right, and I predicted the other week that I thought Lyon would have a better first leg result than PSG, but that PSG would have a better chance of going through in the second leg. I still don't think PSG have that good a chance, unfortunately. Um, but, I mean, I've, honestly, anything could happen because it just feels like a different tie now that the fans are gone, I think, and I don't know what to expect. Uh, let's move on then to. There was a, What's your scoreline? My scoreline? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll go with a 1 1. Okay, I mean, okay. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be high scoring in an empty stadium. But, yeah. I'm not very confident with that prediction. Who knows? Let's move on then to uh, the big match from Sunday night, which was. Between Lille and Lyon, Adam, uh, a goal from Loïc Rémy gave gave Lille the win on this one. Is the podium still a possibility for Lyon? I mean, you have to say it's a possibility, um, but this obviously makes it much harder. It, it accentuates the gap between between themselves and 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 the top three to some extent. Lille put pressure on right, uh, on Red in third, um, and I think it's just it's just the that Leon don't deserve to be in, in contention of the podium. It's it's not that it's not unlikely. It's a ten point gap now, which is pretty big at this at this stage. Um, but I just don't think Leon are good enough to, to make up that gap. In 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 theory, when they've got Rans, Leo and, and Ren ahead of them and and you know they're in, in pre in previous seasons, you would expect that that they would still be in with a chance. But I just don't think they have the quality, they don't have the the versatility, they don't have the the drive to to make up that deficit and they don't have the, the tactical nous of a of, of a manager to make up their, their deficit and they're missing a number of, of their best players. You know, you you can't expect Leon to to sell their best players in the summer. 
and then the players uh, sort of resume the mantles of, of some of those better players for Kira and, and so on, Ferlan Mendy, um, as, such as Memphis Depay and, and Jeffrey and Adelaide, who who had a bit of an up and down start, but, but was, was the big the big money signing in the summer to to miss more than half the season and, and for them to, to close this gap. So as good as Bruno Guimaraes has been and as good as Hossamauer is capable of being, I feel like that it's they just simply don't have the quality to, to go on a run that they would need to go on to, to, to close that gap and, and get into top three. So in theory, it's possible, but I really don't think so. Uh, I actually agree with uh, with Adam. Uh, uh, and I again, uh, just like Marseille last season, I think that you shouldn't, uh, be in Europe at all, and they just have to focus on um, on rebuilding for a Champions League campaign. I mean, a proper one, and uh, get some get some new blood in. Uh, give uh, give you its chance like they always do, and um, things will go will go fine next season. They will have Europe, uh, European uh, distraction. I mean, if the next season has uh, doesn't have the same issues as um, this season on and off the pitch. And uh, that, uh, yeah, I can I can easily see them finishing second if they if they if they take this uh, the right way, just like Marseille are doing currently. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. Um, I wanted to ask Mo what he thought of the fact that Lyon have lost six uh, of their six match, all six of their six matches against the top four in uh, Ligue 1 uh, that they've played so far this season, but. Mo is not here with us. I realized I forgot to tell the listeners that we've lost him to a power cut. <laughs> um, so maybe he'll be back later, maybe not. Um, I'm sure he would have liked that that little stat. It reminded him probably of Rudy Garcia's time at Marseille. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting, though, that you said that because I, I, there was the Modern Footballer Twitter account tweeted something very similar about mm. about the about their record, and that they I think I might have stolen it from there. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've <laughs> they've lost against last season's top six. Uh, they've played seven games, won one and lost six, and only scored five times. And against the same teams last season, they had 10 games, obviously, won six of those, only lost once and scored 20 goals. And <laughs> the amount of response that tweet got, I was sort of flicking through it this morning, the amount of response that got, because it asked whether uh, Leon fans missed Bruno Genesio, I think, and the amount of vitriol that, that provoked was quite amusing because the, the, the sheer hatred that Leon fans seem to have, even now for Bruno Genesio, compared to that... The, if you compare this season and last season, last season's a great season compared to this year. Um, when you look at how how this poor this is their Leon worst and, season since sometime in the 90s. Yeah, um, it's absolutely amazing. Stage. I can't believe yeah. that they, they persist with this with this sort of <laughs> hatred film. They, they had some really great evenings under him. They 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 mm-hmm. upset some bigger clubs. Okay, they were they were poor against the, the weaker teams, and he, he's, he's not the best coach. But I would say he's better than Rudy Garcia to quite some to quite some some extent. So yeah, it's interesting that that, that yeah. the, it's a personality issue, I would imagine. But interesting that it provoked such hatred about them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us about Loic Remy? Who uh, let me get the numbers here. This was his seventh goal of the season, and a lot of them have been recently, which is why I'm asking it. But it's also been his seventh goal uh, against Lyon since he he, he left uh, the club where he came through as a pro. Um, so he he's been quite. In, in quite good form up front for Lille. He has. He has. It's, it's been amazing when he started, what, the last sort of eight games, um, despite, you know, Nick Gaitan came in in January and hasn't really got a got a look in yet. Um, and he's sort of been partnering Victor Ozerman in a sort of a slight, a slight tactical sort of tweak from 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 uh, from Gautier uh, in attack. Um, uh, it's working. And um, I think that uh, it, we, at this level, he's, he's, he's a good, he's a very good, option for a club mm-hmm. like Lille and maybe not 
a starter, but he's a type of player that will get you a considerable amount of goals per season. If you look at sort of the per minutes ratio, maybe he's not going to start every game, but you can rely on him to to contribute to to the to the squad and to the and to the to their to their points tally over the course of the year. Obviously, Victor Osman's the number one number one forward given his form over the over the last sort of sort of year eighteen months, but. Um, Remy's a good finisher and 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 is very capable of taking chances if you can find a way to get them to him. He's he's still relatively quick even at 33. He's still pretty clinical. So yeah, I think this may be just a purple patch. It may not last longer than another few more games, but mm-hmm. um, he's he's proving that he still has quality despite his age and despite his sort of meandering career that perhaps didn't fulfil the expectation that it had at one point. But um, yeah, a very useful, a useful run of form for for Gautier and Lille, and considering how good he's been over the last month or so. Yeah, it's fun to have him back, mm. and he's he's doing better than the other uh, kind of old timers or or generation 2012 guys like Debussy or Mvila who were struggling obviously in Saint Etienne. Um, we turn now to the match between Angers and Nantes, which was a two nil win, and we talk about it now because. One of GFFN's men was there, and obviously, who else could it be but Thomas Wiseman? Hello, Thomas. Hi, Pierre Paul. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on. So, tell us a little bit about your experience finally going to Angers. How many times have you been? This is the first time. First time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, first time. How special? Yeah, it was great. Um, it was a. Uh, Completely packed out stadium. The only only seat I could see spare was was um, one behind me. Um, but it was really interesting to see. This is a I, I knew it before. It was a different um, sort of culture to football in in France. Mm. It's more of a, a sort of a, a day out for the family. And uh, sitting next, I went with my uh, brother and my dad. And um, sitting next to us was um, three elderly people, and uh, it was, it was two elderly ladies with a, a blanket over their knees because <laughs> they were a bit cold. So they sat down the whole game, but it was uh, yeah, it was good fun. Oh wow, because it, it's a derby of sorts, isn't it? Obviously, yeah, it's, it's a yeah regional derby, yeah. Oh, lovely. And and so, well, tell us, are you a little bit of a celebrity fan now? Because um, I saw <laughs> the official account retweeted you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I um I was in Angers for a, a, a day or so, and mm. I, I met up with one of the uh, one of the fans there in, the, in a in a pub to have a, a nice talk, um just talking about everything about the club, and uh, he was impressed with my uh, my level of uh, level of knowledge for the for the club. It was good, <laughs> good fun. Well, aren't we all? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all are. Yeah, and you've you've converted your family then, have you? Uh, yeah, slowly but surely. <laughs> Yeah, you got you got them by attrition. Well yeah, done. Was, that was the uh, that was the plan for the trip, and uh, I brought them along. And my brother my brother supports the team, but not as uh, maybe fanatic as I am. Yeah, and so how was the match? How did uh, Angers play? Yeah, well, I mean, the first half was um, it was fairly muted performance. Uh, they were struggling sometimes to get um, to get the ball forward uh, quite a few few times some of the interchanges didn't work so well and and not had the majority possession but there wasn't really much much threat and then just before the uh the half finished Fulgini had a chance on the counter-attack and he just sort of bobbles through to him and Mm -hmm. Lafont does come out and make a good save and uh it goes into the second half um come out again and it's for the first 15 20 minutes uh it's all Angers and and uh, Bobby Sean scored his, his second goal for us. Uh, his first goal actually came in the away leg in December uh, against Nantes. Um, it was good, good build up, and um, and then not too long later, he provides a good 
good corner in for, for Toma, who scores his first goal of the season. So Toma's now scored in every single one of the, the uh, seasons back in back in Ligue 1 for, for Angers. And it was a it was a great uh, performance after that. We just just held out, uh, not maybe had one one big chance with uh, Moses Seaman, but um Patel, who's had a, a struggle struggled this season, um he made a great, great stop one on one. Um and then after that it was really quite uh, we brought on uh, Tom Mangani to to control the game and and they were playing in triangles. It was really great movement and and Nong really couldn't um, couldn't get the ball off at times. Uh, it just ran out a great performance and what was a great uh, an atmosphere and a great night. Yeah, tell us about the atmosphere. How did uh, how how were Nantes received as rivals? <laughs> yeah, well they 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 set off um, quite a few flares at the start of the game, so it was oh, a quite a lot, a lot of booing. Um, and they, I mean, they were waving all their their banners and their flags for the the whole game, as well as the the um, Angers ultras that were sort of down to my left. Um, and there was this this sort of two uh, gantries in the in the stand where I um, was sitting. And there's normally one or two people up on each each gantry, and they're not even facing the football match; they're just facing the the uh, mm. rest of the ultras and, and just uh, with a megaphone and, and uh, starting all the chants. So it was a it was really good fun, and uh, it was a great atmosphere, and everybody was um, chanting along and, and getting involved. Right then, would you recommend it to Philippe or or to anyone else? Yeah, certainly. I mean, just not just as well. You know, that it was a good it was good atmosphere at the the uh, stadium, but the the city itself is such a a peaceful uh, atmosphere and it's got a great combination of sort of, it's quite a nice reflection of the club. It is, um, you'll see like a, a medieval building crossed with a modern building in the middle of town. And, and it's sort of a, a nice combination between, you know, somebody like Ishmael Traore who's been there for so long and somebody new like Eitner, who's, who's only 18 years old. So it was a good, uh, it's a nice combination. And it's, it does reflect with, uh, with what the club tried to do as well. It has to be, it's actually quite a student town. I mean, it yeah. has that kind of mm. reputation. I've never been, uh, but I've got friends who've, uh, who studied there and uh, who much preferred uh, being in, at Angers and being at in, uh, in Paris. Uh, the, uh, I mean, the whole, the whole place is, uh, is much more, shall we say, uh, well, better, better to live in, basically. Not, not just financially, I mean, for going out and stuff. And, uh, and the people in general. <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, is there? I mean, did you feel there's a derby, this kind of derby rivalry, a an actual rivalry against North, or? Um, or I think not. I think. Yeah, I think because in the past, Nantes have been such a prestigious club. Um, it, it's not the the actual rivalry with Angers is normally between them and uh, Lavalois. Who are in the third tier at the moment? That's more oh, of the that's, yeah, that's more of a derby. Um, but yeah, as as Andre have been in the in the um the top division for quite a few years, and last this time last year was um at home. Uh, it was a one 0 victory. And Fulgini scored a last minute goal, and that was the first time that Andre had beaten uh, Nantes in league and for I think it was 42 or 43 years so it's huge and, and to get back to back to get six wins just and uh, not six wins six points this season against them was uh, was really great yeah it's quite mm. ironic though because you went on this uh, horrend horrendous run of form um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think it was late 2019 which was ended actually by winning at Le Bourgeois um, mm -hmm. 
That's the very last, very last game of 2019. And you didn't didn't win anything for a few games. Actually lost at home to Vance 4-1. That was a that was bad. That was a tough one. <laughs> and now now you now you're doing the dirt all over the knot and and all this. <laughs> I mean, I actually we we actually talked about this on Twitter saying what's going on because you 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 were getting very very close to the actually to the bottom three. And now it's three wins in a row, and now you're in the tough half, and well, actually two points from fifth, because there's a huge gap between fourth and fifth. So it's very, it's very interesting how how things turned around in in just a space of a couple of weeks, really. And Philippe was telling me, you know, while you guys were losing, oh, we should get Thomas on and talk about what's going on at Angers. <laughs> But now that we have you on, it's it's off the back of a three-win streak. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. So I mean, it really is back to back to basics with Angers just winning uh, marginally, like one 0 against Montpellier, one yeah. 0 against Brest, and now two against not is just not not conceding any goal for three games and being incredibly incredibly hard to beat. And mm-hmm. uh, while well, a month back you were you were letting four in at uh, at home to Reims. I mean, it's just yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a tough game. Yeah, it's very really strange. I, I I don't know what what Moulin has been doing, or maybe maybe it's just. Uh, motivated the players to say, okay, you just have to have to win two, two or three more games, and you'll be you'll be home and dry, which is basically it. I mean, I don't see them getting uh, uh, sucked back into this by what well, anyone, even him or what have you. Yeah, I think there was um, an interview with Traore, who's obviously the captain. Um, yeah. It was after the uh, first game we won back, which I think was against Brest, I think it was. Um, and he said there was um, a talk between the players and they got they got them all together and everybody said what they need to be said and, and they got it out there and then they just regrouped and, and you know, sometimes when when there is a, you know, whispers of a relegation battle, Moulin will go back to, back to basics and um, just set out uh, to make mm. sure we don't concede and then hope that, that we do create something. It's just worked out, you know, the last couple of, a uh, couple of games and and the fight is 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 back there um at the club and is, and if you look towards the next you know one or two games we've got Amiens I think the next um away and then Toulouse at home so it's not a bad uh, not a bad run maybe a five five win streak I don't think we've ever got close to that before in uh in the division yeah and, and uh, um, how so sorry uh sorry, yeah, how how close is is a ground from the center of town Can, uh... it's, it's it's probably I mean I walked there so it was only about maybe a half an hour walk it's not right. not too far away really and I was speaking to a few fans and they say that a lot of um, quite a lot of the, the stadiums in France are quite far away from the, the actual city centre um, but it wasn't it wasn't you can either get a, a, a one of the bikes one of the rent bikes to go mm. but uh, we just walked it was quite a, quite a nice walk yeah I'd say, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the weather was like, but I'd say most of them are in the city centres. Some of them are really, really in the middle of nowhere. Nice is pretty bad. Uh, Car is quite, quite horrendous. But if you look at, well, it's either that or they have good transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, well, it, it tends to be the newer ones. Yeah, it tends to be the newer ones, kind of outside the city. Yeah, like Lyon. I mean, exactly, Lyon is yeah. not even nowhere near Lyon, actually. I mean, it's like you have to take a 20-20 minute tram to to get to the new ground. <laughs> uh, but, 
most I mean mo most of them are fairly central. I mean let's be you know let's be let's be let's be realistic. Mm -hmm. so it's, yeah, it's nice it's nice that the Raymond Copa Stadium is uh, is not too far from from the centre of town. Yeah, so Angers are tenth, uh, thirty nine points, which is actually only two points behind fifth place. It's still really tight in there for that fifth place, which um, is probably going to be a, a Europa League spot. So, I mean, anything could happen, but there's a lot of a competition is, is the bottom line for Angers. Um, in other news concerning Angers, uh, President Saïd Chaban has announced earlier today that he will step down uh, from, from his role as club president. This follows, uh, you know, the revelations and the... Uh, the case, the judicial case about his three accusations of sexual assault. Um, I mean, Thomas, I don't know if you really have anything to add to that. Was it something that you talked about with fans there or, you know? Yeah, um, I think speaking to one or two of the fans, they had suspicions that this was um, this was the case. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have, have been thinking this would happen, that Shaban would step down. Um, and sort of, he would still, look, you know, have have the shares of the club, but he wouldn't be as as heavily involved. Um, but looking through what what the structure of the club is, um, not no offence to Shaban, but he's provided the financial support for sure. Um, but it's really, you know, people like Olivier Piku and and Stefan mm -hmm. who are the, the two main pillars. Um, that, that stand standing on Jay. I mean, Moulin is, you know, on Jay man. He, he, even if uh, I've spoken, spoken to a few fans and they said they'd rather get relegated with Moulin to the, than have somebody like, you know, Comboare come in and, um, and, and try, because that would be a, a complete mess. That's fair enough, yeah. Um, the new president uh, announced today was is called Fabrice Favetto Bon. Uh, so thank you so much, Thomas, for, for sharing this with us. And yeah, no, uh, hopefully you'll get to go back maybe not very soon but you know not not too far into the future yeah. either and i'd uh, love, love to have you back on when that's the case yeah i've had requests from people that weren't uh, available at the time to, to come back and speak as well so it should be uh yeah maybe next maybe next season i'll have another trip all right would you, Keep... would, you would you do an away trip with them yeah maybe yeah that'd be cool that'd be great yeah <laughs> okay then thank you thomas all right thanks guys Right then, so Rennes uh, made a massive move uh, towards that third spot with a big five win uh, over Montpellier uh, back on Sunday. The goal scorers for Rennes were Fetou Mawassa, who scored a brilliant goal, Unu twice, Te and Del Castillo. Everyone was playing so well, to be honest, though, including Nzonzi and Kamavinga and, and, and others. Uh, Montpellier, in the meantime, <clears throat> um, their manager, Michel de Zakarian, refused to speak to his players after the match. Um, <laughs> they don't like an away match this season, don't they? Um, so, yeah, what do you think, Philippe, about that that race for Champions League? Is, is anyone really, really surprised that this was all? I mean, I couldn't believe it when 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 I, when I saw it. I mean, it's Rennes' attack against Montpellier's, uh, Montpellier's defence. Uh, I mean... It's, I mean... It's a shame we don't have Rich on for this one. I thought Rennes just yeah. played very well throughout the match and you know they kind of they created some some the goals they scored were really great the last two were penalties so maybe that was kind of frustration starting yeah, to get into Montpellier and so on yeah um 
it's not the score you would expect before the match, but no. they played so well throughout that it's kind of logical in a way, yeah. You expected 1-1 uh, or 2-1 to Rennes or even 2-1 to, to Montpellier, mm. but uh, I don't think when's, when's, when's the last time... I mean, let's not uh, count the PSG results. Uh, when's the last time Montpellier conceded five? I mean, they only conceded five twice this season. Uh, but I'll have to go go back to the previous seasons to, to see mm. when's the last time they conceded five goals because they're pretty hard, uh, tough nut to crack um, yeah. down, down the years. There may be anyway, something yeah, in whole... in Dan. Was it the I, you may have seen about Daniel Congre who came off with with heart was it heart issues at half time um, in that game and, and oh, there was there was, there was suggestion that perhaps um, the the performance was affected by by the the, the rest of the Montpellier team sort of concerned for the, for for Congre so there may be something in that but two second two second half penalties maybe embellished to score a little bit. Um, mm. Flavian Tate, one of my favourite players in the league, you know, getting on score sheet two and three after half time, two and a half at half time, still, still playing, you know, still an extremely good performance for the first half, but and they were they were great. So maybe there's something in that, but um, and we obviously hope he hope he, he recovers uh, fully, of course. Um, but yeah, it'd be is is uh, there may be one or two one or two caveats, but they're brilliant in that first half. No, yeah, definitely hope he recovers. I I missed that. I didn't realise um, that had happened to him. Yeah. So yeah, the little uh, stat moment of the of the show. Uh, this is the first time we've really conceded five away against a side that wasn't PSG uh, since uh, March 18th, 2017, which was at Bordeaux and lost five one. Hmm. They conceded loads of goals that season, 2016, 2017. Mm, so yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty. I mean, it's been it's been three years, almost three years. That's a long time in football. Yeah, it sure is. Um... But but they really haven't been that good away this season. I mean, they won a couple maybe in the last few weeks, but um, yeah. It's one win on their travels. Mm. Although they did have a few good chances. I mean, Andy Delors had an absolutely magnificent kind of scissor kick which hit the post, uh, and that was at one nil only. It was it was unlucky. Um, it would it would have been a fantastic goal. Um, so they're still fun to watch even when they concede five. But <laughs> anyways. Um, there was uh, another big match, well, sort of big, two teams not really at the top of their form this season between Nice and Monaco. Uh, Monaco nice got the win there with 2-1 uh, with a very late winner from Kasper Dolberg, who scored both goals. Um, and Adam, he's been in, in really good form as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a. You've, I think perhaps Casper Dolberg is a player that has gone a little bit under the radar recently in Ligue 1 because he didn't necessarily make the grade at uh, Ajax, and and although it was a good signing for Nice, he's perhaps started a little bit slowly, but and perhaps not necessarily slowly, but didn't didn't make any headlines. Was solid enough. But you're right, absolutely. His his form in recent weeks has been has been really good. And you, when he's only you consider he's only 22, you, this could turn into a, a really great signing for Nice, both. Sportingly and financially, um, mm-hmm. he's probably not going to go anywhere in the summer. But if he continues at this sort of development on this development curve, if you like, and he has a very similar sort of season and it sort of stretches this form out over a whole season next year, then at such a young age and and he has pedigree, of course, um, and has been highly thought of for long for long periods. There are bigger clubs that will still be keeping him on their radar and still be looking at him. This could be a in a classic uh, Nice style sort of. 
of, of Julien Fournier and, and uh, Jean, Jean-Pierre Riviere that, that they could make a serious amount of, 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 of profit on, 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 on his transfer and he could do he could do great things for the next season. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are a lot of caveats to that. Is he capable of con- uh, maintaining this form or and, and, and sort of consistency in front of goal? That's obviously a big question, but it's possible. And even it, either way, he's a, he's a very useful option for, for Vieira at Nice. And, and I hope he continues his form because he's a, he's a good player to watch. I think his debuts were probably underrated because everybody thought they were so clever making Casper the Casper the ghost jokes um and that somehow got into people's subconscious uh, but yeah he's, he's been having a really good season for sure so Nice are up in sixth uh 41 points tied with Reims Reims beat Brest 1-0 Rajkovic saved another penalty we've talked about him a lot on on this show that's four saves out of five penalties this season which is very impressive but it must be said that Brest have missed four out of five this season as well. So, um, you know, this maybe wasn't the hardest one, I guess. Uh, El Bilal Touré was the goal scorer there. His third goal in Ligue 1 since he got here in January. Uh, it seems like a really good find. And this one wasn't a penalty, so, so good for him. And a fun little story from this match was uh, today, Jean-Pierre Caillot, the president of, of Reims, revealed that left-back Gislain Conant, uh, who was sent off during the match, found out just when he returned to the dressing room alone after the red card that he had become a father. So I guess the disappointment was very short-lived. Uh, and congratulations to Gislain. Let's talk about relegation, guys. Uh, the rest of the matches today, uh, the rest of the matches from the weekend all uh, concerned relegation teams. Should we start by saying a word about OM Amiens, Marseille, who were 2-0 up? gave away the lead and Amiens equalized in the 96th minute through Salmon Rodos. Uh, that's actually quite, that's actually quite surprising. Uh, I mean, um, Marseille being 2-0 up and uh, swearing away, uh, mm-hmm. swearing away three points. So at the end of the day, only getting one point. To be fair, first half, Marseille went very good. Uh, Gürtner had nothing to do. And uh, when a, spec- a rather speculative shot came in from... I want to get this right. So Sanson. It was Sanson. Uh, thank you very much. Um, came in and to, to be fair, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a tough save to make. We didn't make it. And then Payet, uh, I think it's Payet who added a second. Um, it's quite yeah. It's quite. Uh, quite I mean, surprising. just about the Gertner thing. Yeah. It looks like he really should have saved it. Like it, it looks bad on him, but from a certain angle. You can see the ball just shaking around from left to right. Yeah, swiveling, just, swiveling just before it goes goes uh, towards him. Yeah. So it, maybe it's uh, maybe it's harsher than than, than yeah. it actually looks. Could be, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, I, I, I do I do believe that other goalkeepers in in the league would have uh, would have said that someone like I don't know like uh, Custido Eduardo I just can't I just uh, can yeah. see them saving that kind of uh, speculative shot. Um, but still, I mean, you know, they dug in and, and kept uh, kept the point. We're still uh, in the expectation with 10 games to go. Arthur is going to be the worst side in Liga history <laughs> because they've only got 13 points, so minus 36. Like, uh, they, they're not mathematically relegated, of course not. But uh, the worst I found was Trois with 18 points, and I think it was uh, uh, three or four seasons ago. So they've got 10 games to get five points. Otherwise, uh, they'll be the, the worst, uh, the worst side in in Liga in Liga history. 
Does anyone, can anyone fill me in on this uh, UN Ruffier uh, nonsense that's been going on at Saint-Étienne? I mean, is, is he going to play again or not? Um, With Ruffier, did you say, uh, Philip? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's odd. I think um, before the previous game, Puel said that there was a, he sees a route back for him, but still didn't pick him. So, uh I think I think it's all a little bit up in the air, and his his um his agent, Rufio's agent, obviously came out, and you might have discussed it, but came out on after he was sort of banished and accused Puel of having this sort of tyrannical sort of rule over the squad, and it just feels like relationships have been completely broken down between player and entourage and and coach and staff, and although he's a senior player and I believe still a very good goalkeeper, he's not had a great season at all, but I think he's still a very good goalkeeper in, in sort of general terms. Um, it, 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 he's, he seems like he's, he's a long way from finding his way back in, even if Puel says that there is a possibility, but Moulin's a good understudy. Um, and given how, how average uh, Rufa has been this season, perhaps it's not a huge, a huge, you know, huge deal for, for the club, but yeah, it yeah, seems like it's a little bit way away. Yeah, it's it's a very it's tough position for, for goalkeeper to be fair. Yeah, but it's a very tough position for Puel because, as you say, Adam, he's really not had such a good season, and they're facing relegation. It's it's yeah. really close. Amazing. So they kind of you know need to get whatever marginal gains they can get. But you know he is a club legend, and so it you know I knew, Puel knew for sure even before everything kind of became chaotic that this would have repercussions and, and that people would be upset um but as you say i think it's just is, is doing all right do you think it was a good result for saint-etienne uh the one one with bordeaux given that saint-etienne played 25 minutes or something like that with a man down yeah absolutely you'd have to say so given their form so far this season um i, I, I just sort of want to look up their, their their sort of winless run it's gone on for a long time now and if you look at the division a point is actually very useful for Sinetian, given how close they are to the relegation zone and relegation for a club like Sinetian would be an utter disaster it there would, are yeah. teams like neem and amion who who perhaps uh, fewer resources have uh, uh, experienced at that level obviously Sinetian have been there before but a while ago um, so it's it, it would be an utter disaster. Who you, can you see Jan and Via and and Rabi Kazri and and Mariano Kabai and Matthew Debushi playing a league? Duh? I don't think so. They'd have to completely overhaul their squad. It'd be could they could even get rid of players that are on these longer contracts with bigger wages. Um, would what they have Puel would go obviously. I, it, it would be a complete disaster for them. So a point, yeah, I think a point. Even though at home and Bordeaux aren't great either, I think you have to you have to take that if you're if you're Claude Puel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's three points ahead of that playoff spot, which is held by Neem at the moment. Neem, who Another lost. Start moment, uh, if I if I may, Pepe. Yeah, of uh, course. So Ruffier conceded uh, 40 goals already in 22 games uh, last season. Ruffier conceded 40 goals in 37 games, so he played basically every game except one. So he's conceded the same amount of goals, uh, playing 15 games less, mm. and the amount of clean sheets he kept this season is three. And the amount of finishing he kept last season was 13. So just to put something into perspective, that yeah. is not big. Which, I mean, to be fair, that's not all him because that it's yeah. the, no, of course the, not. There's the defense dynamic as well, yeah. But he has had some mistakes, I think, this season and yeah. some kind of yeah. 
not so glorious goals conceded. Could you um, add in in uh, just on very briefly on on the Rufio situation, uh, Timothy Glodzchak, who who was very good uh, pre previous times mm. uh, for for Sinitian, was also sort of banished by by uh, Puel after so there was a bit of a falling out, and and he he left him out what for six games in a row, didn't make the squad. He started the last five, obviously he's worked his way back in. So maybe there's a similar situation there of Rufio with Glodzchak that he'll eventually be allowed to return, but maybe this. Both of these incidents mm -hmm. uh, underlying a, a broken dressing room, a dressing room that that um, is is sort of cantankerous and and divided, and and there's obviously a, a disconnect between the manager and his and his players. And it, you, you know, one fine, but two, you know, arguably more. It's interesting because yeah. that that point you just made about the de the dressing room, you know, disconnect between the dressing room and the manager is exactly what people were saying about Puel when he was at Leicester. And he was still performing very well with them. And it, it, I, I don't. I mean, I wish I could understand it, but I don't really because I trust in Puel. I think he's a very good manager. He's had great results with various clubs in the past decade. Um, and yet there's this problem here in Saint Etienne. There was that in Leicester. Uh, people just don't like him for some reason. But yeah, I don't know. Is <laughs> there something to do he with? Wasn't particularly like that Southampton either, was he? No, he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he got he got fine results, uh, but the football was was boring, and the fans were just fed up with him. And they were terrible at home under him, weren't they? They had didn't, they could, yeah. couldn't score at home, couldn't get results at home under Southampton. I mean, so open question there: Do we actually see Southampton going down? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, they have a cup final now. Show, hopefully, yeah. that brings some positive momentum to them. They have good players. Oh, yeah, I think they'll be okay. I really hope so, anyways. <laughs> Can you throw in... Well, you know, because the last win was against Nîmes. I mean, they did lose uh, at Metz, at Brest. They lost a derby yeah. uh, comprehensively, I, I would uh, I would say. Yeah. Um, so it does look pretty bad, 30 points uh, with 10 games ten games to go. But uh, uh, first of all, they'll need a Nîmes to leapfrog them. And, um, and then there's a playoff. Because, I mean, they are still seven points clear of Amiens, which is still a, hef a, a healthy uh, gap to have. Even though Can you imagine, are... you know what I would like, Philippe? A playoff between Saint-Étienne and Lens. That would be oh, that would magnificent. Be yeah. <laughs> Count me into that. Fun. That sounds great. Yeah. But then they're um, so bad. The last 12 league games, they've won once and drawn twice and lost nine. That's, that's relegation. Oh, wow, yeah. That's that's not especially good. so they, they I mean they have to play at Monaco at PSG uh, at Amiens uh, and then they've got Lille Lille at home Nice away and Dijon at home now Dijon at home is is, is a nice one but uh, the West I mean the the winning is not very you know not very kind to them by any stretch could you throw injuries in here I I mean I was thinking about this about Amiens too that. Uh, injuries are often sort of when managers say oh I've had a lot of injuries it's sort of they're accused of making excuses but and that's partly partly fine but overall you can't be robbed of your five or six five or six of your best players and then expect to do exactly the same job that's not how football works but when you look mm -hmm. at their squad and you look at Zayda Yusuf who I was really impressive earlier in the year was great in the first derby win against Leon. he's been out for for months Kabai missed a long period of time. Sabila, uh, William Sabila, Saliba, sorry, missed <laughs> what, 15 games. Um, Wabi mm. Kazi's had two long spells out. Hamuma's been out for a long time. Mono Pake's been injured the whole season. I just feel like if they can get everyone fit, then they'd be absolutely fine. But there's just such a, it's, there's no consistency, is there? 
Yeah. Um, we have a question on Twitter from Mike who asks us, uh, in the relegation battle, which players do you think could become heavily courted or, or too good for their clubs, presumably next summer? So we've mentioned a bunch of players from Saint-Étienne, maybe have a look at some of the other clubs. Uh, who do you guys think? Habib Diallo is certainly one from, from Mess, uh, who's been having a good season. I think Nîmes have some good players who might leave the club mm. if they were to fall. Um, Most of Mess sides are, are actually quality players, and I don't see mm-hmm. them going uh, going down. Uh, Dijon too. Uh, also, also, I mean, could could we agree that um, uh, who who's out of the woods and who isn't? With Mets being seven points clear of Nîmes, <laughs> uh, would we say that they're that they're home dry or not? They're doing well. Yeah. They're doing well. I mean, they're not losing very often, and uh, the same could be said about Brest. So. Yeah. 34 points, 10 games to go. That's pretty good. Yeah. It is pretty good. And uh, Nîmes, I mean, I'm not going to say they lost their momentum or, or anything. Uh, but, uh, yeah, three, three defeats on the trot. And even though the last home game was against Marseille. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, against against uh, uh, a side that is in form. But uh, since, those, uh, since those four wins in a row, maybe, maybe the win's been cut out of their sails. And um, I look at, well, yeah. I do. I do look at their running, and I can't help but uh, notice that their last home, that last game of the season, is at home to PSG, which should mm-hmm. be a loss. But Although there've been cases know. before, haven't there, with with sides on the last day of the season have needed a result at PSG. Con, I think maybe even two yeah. seasons ago it happened with them. Yeah, they, they did win. <laughs> they got it. I say. Philippe, would you say Amiens are in the woods? Yeah. Or do they have a chance? Uh, no, I think they're only four points. Yeah, they... so it's only four points, and uh, they are playing them at home. Mm. So they've got something. They've got something. Yeah. Uh, still think, still think, um, still think they'll they'll will finish second bottom. Uh, for no, I mean, for no particular reason. I, I think there's there's a defending on set piece is absolutely horrendous. Haven't watched them that often this season, but uh, they really can't. Uh, they really can't defend. Um, and uh, you do you do need that in that in that league. Mm-hmm. I'm, pretty, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's going, not not going to change much. I mean, I can I can see him finishing in the playoffs. I mean, our second bottom, and yes, probably Toulouse will probably finish bottom. Mm, I agree with that. Right. Um, very quickly, Pierre. Was there yeah. a question? You mentioned a question. Was it on on other players in the relegation fight that might yeah, yeah. be too big for the clubs? So you mentioned Nîmes. Um, it would be good to to name check Yassine Ben Rahou, who's been brilliant but since he's joining. He's on loan, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he is from from Bordeaux. But if we're if we're looking at players that in that bottom half of the well, third of the league that that can go on to bigger things, he was he was sort of um, sporadically used uh, in the first half of the season at Bordeaux and dropped out of the side under Sousa. And then, but he's absolutely revolutionised Nîmes. He's mm-hmm. played fantastically well ever since joining. He's he's was I think he was suspended for one game, but he uh, he missed. He started what? 10 of the last 11, I think, 9 of the last 10. And, and he's been pretty much fantastic in each of those games. And if Neem stay up, it would be, it'd be yeah, they'll have to him to thank, to be honest. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Fairhat and I like Filippotti for a long time. And Ruse, Ruse is just a bizarre case of, of, of nine lives of the classic sort of league striker doesn't really score goals, but will turn up and do a job. And he's doing that now. But yeah, Ben Rahu, 21-year-old attacking midfielder, is, is a very interesting player. Yeah, definitely. Um, on the promotion side of things, there was a massive result 
on Saturday with Ajaccio beating Lorient. Lorient have now lost four of their last five. Um, they're still leaders, uh, but only just. So they're on 54 points. Lens, who won tonight, are on 53. Ajaccio, 52. Trois, 51. And Clermont, 50. So uh, that works out quite nicely. There's six points then between fifth and sixth. So it looks like we have a top five and the order could be anything. <laughs> um, but an exciting race. Ajaccio... Uh, you know, being a pain in the backside and getting promoted or something like that. Lorient have really self-destructed and lost. I mean, mm, there's yeah. a form of the, the top two. I mean, they, they were high-flying yeah. until uh, very recently, until, well, probably end of January. And now they they only... Uh, Lorient are four points clear now, two points clear from Ajaccio, and Lens are one point clear from, from Ajaccio. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it, they're really throwing it away by themselves. I honestly wouldn't rule a half out just yet for a playoff spot. Um, with Tino Cadereau fit, um, with him in the team, they're a completely different side. Mm. And now he's back and, and he's scoring goals again. They're, they're, a very, they're a very decent shout for, for, for fifth or fourth. Valenciennes back in seventh and Gangon uh, perhaps too inconsistent to, to challenge yeah. those, those places. But Le Havre could see it could go on a run. Um, although without Cadereau, who's obviously leaving for Lyon at the end of the season... They're a, they're a very average team. So if they were somehow to sneak up and Caduero scores <laughs> goals, carries them there, they would be an utter disaster in Ligue 1. Um, although and they're, they're, they've got two very good young players, Pat, Pat Gay and, and, and Loic Bade, who's come in at centre-back. Mm-hmm. And they're both um, likely to leave uh, over the summer. They're both potentially going on free transfers and both are sort of digging their heels in on a new contract. So, the, yeah, if they were to sneak up, they could, they could definitely uh, do a better job than to lose at being terrible in Ligue 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exciting race uh, on both uh, sides in Liga and Ligue 2 there. Um, uh, finally, some news from the women's national team, which has been playing in the first edition of the Tournoi de France, which is a kind of four-team round-robin tournament happening in, in Valenciennes and Calais over the past week or so. On Wednesday, France beat Canada 1-0 with a free-kick goal from Viviane Assei from Bordeaux. On Saturday, they played Brazil. And Valérie Gauvin scored, like at the World Cup against Brazil, uh, for another 1-0 win. So that means that uh, when you compare it to the other results, the Netherlands having drawn with both Brazil and Canada, France have a four-point lead going into the last match and are already the champions of the tournament. Uh, that's happening on Tuesday against the Netherlands. I guess it's just a shame they didn't get to lift the trophy instead in front of fans because um, it's going to be closed doors uh, tomorrow. So... Uh, that that's too bad, but um, oh, you know, apart from that, great news for them. So then, to finish up with our France player watch segment uh, this week, let's cross the channel and go to Everton and talk about Jibril Sidibe. Adam, what do you think of his chances of getting to the Euro, uh, especially with the return of Leo Dubois from injury? It's it's starting to get competitive for the, for that spot. It is, yeah. There's a lot of. It's typical with the French national team. There's a lot of of quality in each position. I think um, one thing you always have to take into account with with uh, the the national team selection is Deschamps, obviously. And in a in a in a a particular (laughs) context, in that he his his sort of prioritization of harmony above anything else and 
picking the players that he likes as more than anything else, which is there are sort of competing theories about about various players as to why they're selected and and right and left footed centre backs is one that talked about GFN the GFN Twitter account talks about mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and you look at players like Musa Sissoko, who perhaps got was stayed in a team for longer than than his performances deserved at one point. And I think Sidibe, it's very difficult to know where he falls into those categories. If you look at the previous few games, he's not actually played for France since the World Cup, with the nil-nil draw of Denmark, the utterly terrible game, the nil-nil draw. He's actually been on the bench a lot since then, but not got any minutes. So that would suggest that he's kind of out of favour under Deschamps, and he doesn't see him as a as a as a as a sort of viable option both within the squad and within the team and he's actually only made the bench in the last what two of the last sort of eight nine games so it feels like his his favorability under Deschamps is is waning and when you add to his Everton form has been pretty poor of late he was terrible in on the weekend the problem with him has always been his defending is so erratic he can be hmm. Fine, he's fine going forward. He's good going forward. He's, he's he's a good right midfielder, right wing back, or even a right winger if you want him to be. But he cannot defend, and and that was really exposed. And when you play like France, you, as did at the World Cup, quite conservative and and maximised their their sort of their defensive talent and 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 were, were solid and and organised. Saliba is not solid or organised, so you'd have to say that he's he's in trouble if he's hoping to to go to the Euros. I mean, he could be an option depending on the opponent, really. Although Pavard does that have that starting spot locked down pretty securely, no matter who we play against, I suppose. Um, yeah, he's. To be fair, it's not the best of times to be playing as a defender for Everton, or to be playing in any position for Everton. To be honest, um, it's having a little bit of a disappointing season. Um, but yeah, it's. It's. I think. The return of Dubois is, is really going to change the dynamics for that position. And it's interesting, right? Because we always think that we, we've talked about the fullback shortage in France and so on. Um, Pavard has been a consistent starter at fullback, at right back for Bayern this season. So he's definitely staying there for France. And now with Sidibe and Dubois in, in, in contention for that second spot, um, Deschamps essentially has a safe-ish third choice even if he needs to it does it does seem like Pavard uh, has that uh, right back spot soon up for yeah him. Um, no matter how he plays and to be fair he's done he's done much better than I expected him to uh, to play uh, for Bayern Munich I mean he uh, I really thought that uh, it'd be uh, too much of a step up uh, from Stuttgart to uh, to Bayern yeah, Munich he's, he's but it seems good, to yeah. be doing yeah, to be to be doing uh, doing fine and I'm pretty sure this one I said okay uh, if you can just not be not get injured uh, you, you can you can start every game at the Euros no problem. I think uh, that's uh, basically written in the in the stars. I would take. I mean, would you take would you take CDB or Dubois? Uh, I I honestly uh, at this point I think Dubois may. I mean, but yeah. Dubois for me as well. I, I don't yeah. think either particularly defensively, and I think they they're fine. They're they're just they're just fine going forward. I mean, CDB, we we know we know what CDB is like. He's he um, he's not. I mean, he really reminds me a lot of Kim Pembe, except that he's <laughs> in a less uh, uh, in a position with a, with less responsibility. So uh, it's uh, when he makes a mistake, it may not always result in a goal. Except that, uh, well, you know, uh, with uh, with Kim Pembe, uh, you, it usually usually does, uh, except in the first leg against Dortmund, of course. But but uh, yeah, he's still he's still very good uh, very good going forward and. Um, well, I still, I'm still, 
really not sure about uh, who I would who I would take because uh, because he's got this situation at Monaco. It doesn't seem like he's seeing eye to eye with the uh, with the board or with the manager manager who he hasn't played under uh, so far. I think um, and uh, they they were asking him that question on television this afternoon, saying, I mean, would you uh, if uh, because he's not he's not uh, an Everton player. He's actually on loan. He's on from, loan. From Monaco. Ah. And, and and if uh, if Everton said uh, if uh, the question was if uh, Everton uh, uh, did take that option to buy would would he would he stay in it? and he he didn't want to say it but out of respect for his for his current employer which is Monaco it really said it really said uh, set the tone as though you know uh, Monaco can uh, can can do whatever they want to, if if Everton want me and sign me I mean I'll I'll play for I'll play for Everton and it seems to be much more shall we say, uh, happy to be in a more physical and less tactical league. That's it. That is the Premier League. Uh, rather than, you know, the uh, the defensive and very uh, structured and rigid. Mm. Yeah. I think he's I think he's having a better time uh, in uh, I think he's having a better time in in, in the Premiership than, uh, than uh, elsewhere. But still, I mean, I don't know. I would probably take Dubois too. Uh, all, all this to say is that uh, CDB is erratic. He's not. He's not. He's not at. at uh, he's not in a good place in his career. He's not having a good season. Uh, he doesn't know who he's going to play for. And uh, to be fair, Dubois is trustworthy. In that sense. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, well then, that's all from us today. Thank you as always for listening. Uh, you can uh, check get all the latest French football news from GFFN on Twitter or at getfootballnewsfrance.com. And of course, don't forget to check out our new magazine, The Modern Footballer. Uh, Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Pierre. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. And we'll speak to you again next week.